Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. The primary results are in from New York and Florida from last night. And now we can start pivoting towards the fall, the fall campaigns. There were a few lessons, I think, that were important to take away from both New York and Florida, especially as it relates uh, to the Democratic side of the aisle. A lot of very interesting races involving Democratic primaries. So we'll break those down just a little bit. We'll also look at what the president is doing and how the president will begin to pivot and frame the conversation that he believes the country needs to have moving into crucial midterm elections. Uh, as the president uh, takes action today, of course, on uh, student loan forgiveness or cancellation or payment, uh, whatever it is, uh, the impact will be very interesting to see how that actually all shakes out. Uh, and I don't think it's actually all good uh, for the president. Uh, while it sounds like uh, one more round of uh, Oprah-style you get something for free, you get something for free. Uh, nothing is ever free. And the interesting thing will be the fallout, the impact in particular on the economy and inflation and how that plays into the midterms will be fascinating to look at as well. So, of course, the big takeaways from Florida and New York, I think probably the biggest thing for me that I, I noticed last night is what it was it was a very good day for the establishment inside of the Democratic Party. Uh, many of the quote, establishment, the people who'd been around for a long time inside the Democratic Party, particularly in New York, uh, all won their primaries. And many were being challenged by uh, very liberal, progressive uh, candidates from further left in the Democratic Party. So the fact that sort of the uh, establishment guard, the old guard uh, held is very interesting uh, because you've seen a lot of the pull and push as it relates to the progressive wing of the Democratic Party trying to move things further left uh, while you've had the more moderate section trying to hold pat. And it seems like the, the more moderate wing won out last night, both in New York and in Florida. Uh, and uh, we'll continue to see how that all plays. Now, we, we've got our eye, of course, on uh, what comes up over the next uh, 76 days between now and November the 8th when the midterm elections take place. Uh, that's going to have a huge impact on where the country goes next. And what happens? Do Democrats maintain control of the Senate? Do they maintain control of the House? If so, how does that impact what President Biden does? Does that give him another window of time uh, to further the agenda that the White House would like to go after? 
If it's a split uh, governing, if you have, uh, for example, the House in Republican hands, which seems to be likely, although those numbers are sliding a little bit towards the Democratic side, uh, but I, I think the Republicans do win the House. Uh, if there is a split, if you have a Republican House and a Democratic Senate, uh, what does that do for the president's agenda? What does that do in terms of getting anything done in Congress, uh, especially uh, rolling into a 2024 presidential year? Uh, those things are all interesting. And, of course, the other scenario would be that uh, Republicans take both uh, the House and the Senate. And then what does that do? So we'll continue to watch all of those things. And to me, the thing that I'm watching most closely over the next couple of weeks, we, we always say that things really heat up and get serious. People really start paying attention after Labor Day. And we're just a couple of weeks uh, out from that. Uh, the president's going to go test drive some of his messaging starting tomorrow. Uh, the president will start a, a series of campaign style swings. Uh, 23 states, I believe that the president will hit 35 states total that members of his administration will be hitting over the next several weeks as they try to tout the legislative victories that they've had over the course of the summer. And that's going to be an interesting thing. So I had a fascinating conversation yesterday, national political correspondent for The Washington Post, Olivier Knox, uh, and I had a conversation about what is that message the president's going to test drive starting tomorrow and what will that mean in terms of a meaningful conversation with the American people. So we started by talking about the economy and kind of that congruence portion of what the president would like to tout as successes and what the American people are actually feeling in terms of reality. Uh, Here's what Olivier had to say. You really can't march out under the campaign trail and tell Americans who are struggling with higher grocery prices or gas prices. But look, I passed the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, You do have to take sort of meet them where they are. And that means doing what Biden has done, actually, uh, which is express a lot of empathy for Americans facing high prices um, and blending that with the defense of his record, talking about jobs growth on his on his watch. Um, but that is sort of why I'm listening for it. I really am curious to see how he manages this. Poll after poll after poll shows that he's underwater on the economy, that um, even a lot of Democrats aren't happy with the economy right now. Um, and so it, and it is it is historically, you know, the or one of the two driving forces in American elections. So how he tackles this and how he tells, in effect, tells other Democrats to tackle this is going to be really important. So we're going to see how the president lays that out tomorrow, uh, because as Olivier said, he really will be signaling to other Democrats, here's how you should talk about this particular issue of inflation or what's going on around the kitchen table uh, as Americans continue to struggle uh, with uh, with grocery prices, with the cost of other goods and services. Uh, so that's going to be interesting to see what the president does there. I also asked uh, Olivier, uh, how negative would President Biden go during the campaign? Would he stay on the high road? Would he stay on agenda? Or is he going to go after Republicans specifically uh, as he's done on the campaign trail in the past? He's not shy about attacking Republicans in some pretty strident tones. And so uh, which 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 Biden will show up? I can tell you, progressives want him out there fighting, um, and he's he's been helped a little bit this year by that Supreme Court decision, the Dobbs decision, which overturned Roe v. Wade. Um, that seems to have energized a lot of Democratic voters. It seems to be driving uh, voter registration among young women in particular. And we and House Democrats have been trying to you know box in their Republican colleagues with a series of votes on access to contraception, on 
uh, gay marriage, on interracial marriage, on uh, contraception and things like that. And so one of the questions I have is, is he going to take a page from the House Democrats and really go after really go after Republicans and say, in effect, you know, I need this Democratic Senate or I need this Democratic Congress as a kind of a bulwark against what the GOP would do if they took power. So that will also be interesting to watch to see if the president lays that out beginning tomorrow. He did take a swipe at the Republicans today as he rolled out the student loan program, again, canceling out between ten and $20,000 of of student loan debt. Uh, We'll come back to that issue a little later. Uh, But it was interesting in the context of rolling that out, uh, President Biden took a swing at Republicans uh, as it related to tax relief, which he, of course, went down the path of helped the wealthy and the well-connected the most and that they were okay spending there. Why not be okay in spending some some of these funds uh, towards students uh, and uh, recent graduates that are struggling uh, and so that's going to be an interesting thing. Will he really be the attack dog and go sharply? Uh, or will he try to take that higher ground as president? And I think the other struggle or challenge the president's facing is obviously that his approval numbers are very low. And there are many within the Democratic Party uh, who have given the the White House a little bit of a stiff arm in terms of, hey, uh, we know you want to do a tour. Uh, just don't come to my district or don't come to, to my state. Uh, because you're not helpful to me in my re-election campaign. So that's going to be an interesting thing for the president to navigate as well. Uh, Of course, we'll look at the flip side of that in terms of what Republicans do. I think the key for both sides is to get on a message. I I loved what Olivia Knox said in terms of you've got to meet voters where they are. Uh, So it's not just about pie in the sky kind of things that most voters kind of tilt their head sideways and say, ah, it doesn't quite square for me or that doesn't sound quite right. Uh, usually because it's not quite right. And will either side really get out of the typical talking point stuff and meet the voters where they are? We'll step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, more inside sources here on KSL News Radio. We'll talk about what is the real path and good policy, not just good politics, when it comes to climate change. We'll talk about that after the break. Stay with us. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.